For those who are fans of the TV show Big Bang Theory, perhaps you, like me, imagine the persistent widow in Jesus' story this morning to be a lot like Sheldon, knocking incessantly, annoyingly on his neighbor's front door, repeating her name over and over again. I need some wood. Penny. Penny. Penny, over and over and over again. Sheldon's tactics are annoying, though they are hilarious for those who watch the show, but you cannot argue with their effectiveness. If the goal is to convince Penny to open the door, well, it works every single time. Now, those of you unfamiliar with Sheldon and Penny, that's okay. You don't need this pop culture reference to connect with the characters in today's story. It's a perfect story, isn't it? Almost kind of cute. Some have suggested that this parable is Jesus's attempt at a little humor. Now the protagonist is this poor, I'm assuming, old widow woman. And she's ancient, much older than anyone here today. The oldest person in the room, that's this woman. And you can picture her, can't you? Her cane stooped, slowly creeping up the stairs to the judge's chamber. Her hair in a bun, bobby pins sticking out, her faded blue denim dress down to her ankles. Every day she makes this climb up these stairs, and every day the judge can see her climbing and climbing, slowly climbing up the stairs. When she finally gets to the top, she shuffles her orthopedic shoes into his chamber where a crowd is always gathered. They've been passing her as she walked up the stairs in line to see the judge. But this is not a woman who waits her turn. She needs justice now. And so she stands at the back of the line right on the edge of the crowd and begins to taunt this judge. Hey, judge, she whispers, give me justice. She starts off quiet, but gets louder and louder. Hey, hey, judge, give me justice. Hey, hey, judge, who do you think you are sitting in your self-righteous chair? Knock, knock, judge, give me justice. This woman, she's, well, she's annoying, but she's impressive. She is a fighter, and Jesus calls her persistent because all good fighters are persistent. She knows what's at stake. See, when your world is coming to an end, when you can see that end in sight, you don't have the luxury of apathy or inaction or laziness. Now, had we read a little more in our passage this morning, the verses that immediately precede this cute little story, which is surely what Luke intended for us to do, If we had read those verses, then we would already be thinking about the end of the world. Before our text is a section of scripture often ignored, and for good reason, because it would be a great text to read over the loudspeaker at a haunted house. It is terrifying. At the end of Luke 17, just steps away from this little cute story, Jesus warns about the end of days. Not the literal last days, but the end of time, that moment, the last days that come to all of us in our life when we feel like our world is crashing in on us. 
The text reads, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. It will be a lot like the days of Noah, which were not good days, by the way. It will be a lot like the days of Lot. That didn't go well. Those who try to make their life secure will lose it. Those who lose their life will keep it. People will be lying in the bed together. One will be taken away, Jesus says, and the other left. People will be in the field harvesting. One will be carried away and the other left. Terrifying, isn't it? Upon hearing these troubled words, Jesus' scared disciples ask him, Where, Lord, where will this happen? And you can hear the terror in their voices, and Jesus' answer only makes things worse. Where the corpse is, Jesus says, there the vultures will gather. One of those sayings of Jesus we don't cross-stitch onto pillows. Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Right there in Luke 17, steps away from this parable. Now, not long ago, we were with Jesus' disciples on Good Friday when they saw a corpse hanging from the cross. And their whole world was crashing in on them. For fear of being eaten alive by the gathering vultures, we saw them hide away in those locked upper rooms, afraid that Jesus' fate would soon be their own. It may not have been the end of the world, but try to argue with them. It felt like it. Their world was ending. Where the, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Now you see why we normally skip over that part of Luke 17 and move on to this cute, funny little parable about this sweet but persistent woman. It's terrifying. But skipping over the doom and gloom, we miss Luke's point in giving us this parable in this place. That's probably why we normally read the parable, simply as a call to persistent prayer, told to the comfortable, like Dory from Finding Nemo. We leave this story singing, just keep praying, just keep praying, 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 sing that all day, stuck in your head. (laughs) But this text, it's more than just keep praying. This text is about the end of the world. Okay, well, maybe not the end of the world, but that's not what this widow thinks. Her world is coming to an end, and if she's going to survive, it's because this crummy judge chooses to finally act on her behalf. Now, we don't know what has happened to her, but we can take some good guesses. In a patriarchal society like hers that saw women as property of men, a widow had little to no worth in her society. If she needed justice, there was nothing she could do on her own. And with no one else to care for her, she was left basically abandoned. Yet this woman takes matters into her own hands. She shows up before a judge that she is not allowed to see. Her mere presence is scandalous enough, even before she starts nagging this judge, she is an unrelenting woman stepping into a man's world, demanding that this man do something about her fate. Now, if this woman is the perfect protagonist, the judge, well, he's the perfect antagonist. He's just rotten to the core. We are told by Jesus, but the judge freely admits it himself, that he has no fear of God and no respect for anyone. 
Now, we've met people like this before, but they rarely will admit it. They like to wrap their despicableness in a shroud of faith as they feign concern for the poor and suffering, but not this judge. He has no time for games. You can almost hear him let out that maniacal, typical laugh (laughs) as he sits on his chair. Now, had we been there watching this woman shuffling into the courthouse day after day, we would have told her, well, just just stop wasting your time. I mean, give up. You can't trust the political process. These judges, they're no good. They won't listen to you. Just go home. Just, Just pray about it. Do something. And just when we're ready to write her off, her story takes an interesting turn. Her tactics, as unorthodox as they are, start to work. Her daily taunting of this judge is beginning to wear him down. Finally, he reacts. And in the version that we read, the NRSV, just a moment ago, the judge says, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming to me. But I like how Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message, translates it. In that version, it says, I'd better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up being beaten black and blue by her pounding. Now, the word translated wear me out is actually a boxing term. She's not wearing this judge out. Her persistent, incessant calls for justice are like uppercuts to his jaw. She's bruising his pride over and over and over again. And so he responds, not not out of concern for her cause, but out of concern for his reputation. I'd better do something, he says. Otherwise, I'm going to end up being black and blue by her pounding. So that's the parable. What do we do with it? Maybe we should simply make it a parable about prayer and move on. After all, that's what Luke does. He begins the parable by telling us Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and never lose heart. So there it is. The parable's about prayer. Amen. Let us sing. But if we're going to say it's about prayer, one thing we can't do is make God out to be this judge. Jesus is very clear about this. This judge is a jerk rotten to the core. There's nothing good about him. Yet even even him, after being worn down by this widow's persistence, gives her justice. But God, well, God is better than this judge. Will God delay in giving his people justice? I tell you, Jesus says, God will quickly grant justice to her, to them who ask. So don't leave this text with any notion that the judge is God. Jesus is not telling us to keep on knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door until we annoy God enough that God just gives in. That's not the lesson. So what can we learn from this persistent woman? A woman who doesn't do what she's supposed to, who doesn't do what she's told, who goes where she does not belong, and uses the only tool that she has in her arsenal, her ability to persistently annoy this judge. How can we learn from her? Pray, Jesus says, pray and don't lose heart. When you're facing the end of the world, it's easy to lose heart, but don't give up. Be persistent. Bang on the doors of injustice. Climb the stairs of power. Do whatever you got to do. The rules don't apply 
here. Over the last few months, we've heard a lot about breaking the rules. All over the TV this last week, protests breaking out in Baltimore, Ferguson, Missouri. People long oppressed and trapped in systemic poverty and injustice have broken the rules. And for some of us, it is appalling. They've taken to the streets, some violently, most peacefully, persistently crying for justice. Maybe you're like me, though. You see all that is wrong with the world, and it is a mess. But what are we going to do? There's too much to do. Where would we even start? It's easy to make excuses or pass the blame. Easier still to sit behind stained glass or behind computer screens and make statements in support or against whatever it is that's going on and then go back to life as normal. What else can we do? Jesus, well, Jesus ends this funny, sweet parable by asking his disciples, and well, probably us, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on earth? Now, the question hits a little close to home because Jesus is not asking, when the Son of Man comes, will he find believers on earth? He's not asking if the church will still be here in Norwalk, Iowa, right here on Main Street, with full pews and a full offering plate. He's asking, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Faith, faith as defined by this woman, that kind of faith? Will he find persistence? Will the Son of Man find fighters against injustice, persistent women and men of God who do not simply make statements and offer prayers, but get up off their knees, putting their prayers into action? Faith that stands up to the lies that you're not good enough, that you can't do anything about your situation that you're in. Faith, faith that is fighting faith, fighting for justice, fighting for your life, fighting for your family, fighting for your marriage, fighting for whatever it is that you need to fight for, standing with those who are run over by injustice, standing with the widows and the mothers grieving the death of their children and all victims of injustice, never letting them knock on those doors alone. Faith is breaking the rules for the sake of justice. Faith is being undignified like this woman in the presence of oppressive power like this judge. Faith that stands up even though your knees may be knocking and the lightning is flashing and the vultures are gathering. It may feel like the end of the world, but the faithful keep on fighting. They keep breaking the rules, beating down the face of injustice, black and blue, until God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. So church, this parable, it's calling us to be prayers. Yes, prayers. But also to be fighters, to be persistent in the face of injustice. And whatever we do, may we never lose heart. Amen? Amen. Let us now prepare to come to the table of our Lord, where we are welcome just as we are as we sing, Lord, listen to your children praying.